Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we will go back in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight we will explore the world of gridiron grits. Welcome to Gridiron Grits Football History and its Memorabilia on the Gridiron Grits Publisher and Broadcasting Network, in conjunction with Swift Enterprises. We're live from the Wallingford Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Swift, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We're covering 140-plus years of football history and memorabilia. And you can find us on the web at www.gridirongreatsmagazine.com. We're sponsored by MSB Sports Card. Check out their website at www.msbsportscards.com. And by BST Auctions, check out their website at bstauctions.com for the best and most complete amount of football cards and memorabilia on the website. Check them out today. And before I introduce my special guest host, I'd like to send out a note of uh, healing prayers and and before I introduce my guest co-host, I would like to send out a note of uh, well-being and prayers for contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, Tex Noel. Tex unfortunately suffered a massive stroke on April 14th. He's still in the hospital. I've been conversing via email with Tex's wife, Melody, um, over the past week or so. Uh, Tex is feeling better, but it's going to be a long hike before he uh, can get back in the swing of things. I guess it really impacted his left side, and his speech is very slurred. So I like to send Tex uh, get well wishes, and I hope he uh, feels better. Uh, very, very quickly. Now, it's a, 
At this time, I'd like to introduce my co-host. He's a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greeks Magazine, a football memorabilia historian specializing in World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Largent. He hail from Portland, Oregon, Mr. Joe Squires. Joe, welcome to the show this evening. Good morning, Captain. How are you, sir? I'm very good, sir. I'm very good. I, I apologize uh, for my technical difficulties this morning. <laughs> not a problem. Not a problem. We're on a we're on a weekend schedule here, so it's somewhat different. Now, Joe, I want to move right into. There's been a ton of auctions going on over the past few weeks, yeah. and uh, including the, the first section of the uh, Mike Blaisdell. Uh, collection that was auctioned on BST auctions. So let's get right into it. Uh, first, starting off with, and I'm going to go, I know you sent me a, a brief email on a few things. Uh, tonight's REA auction is ending um, later this evening. And a couple points on that. Uh, give me some feedback on the uh, 60 top solo box. I have been looking at that uh, also as much as you have. Uh, just uh, cello and wax has just been taking off lately. I'm sure you've seen. I mean, we I'm sorry, a guess sorry. On cello wax. Yeah, cello, cello and wax both. I mean, have just been taking off. But uh, I mean, in particular, vintage and uh, 1960 tops complete cello box, 36 count cellos inside. One of the cellos has Jim Brown's 1960 card showing on it, which the, the 1960 Jim Brown is almost as popular as his rookie card, but. To twenty-seven thousand dollars. I mean, we've discussed what the ROI is. If you could go back in time and scarf up a couple of these, you know, four-dollar boxes of cello back in 1960 and set them aside, if you had invested four dollars in the stock market versus cello or wax, where would you be at? It's just—it's kind of funny to think about. <laughs> you got it, but you got it. Yeah. It's amazing to see what the prices of these. Uh, older pieces, older wax, and older mm-hmm. cello boxes are going for it. It's just, it's just truly amazing to say the least. Now, there's another. Team, like they, uh, it's like they say in real estate, they're not making it anymore. You know. Right. And there's two other items I think are very worth noting on that auction. Uh, there's a Grange item and a Thorpe item. Can you give us some uh, background on that? Yeah, what I love is well, there's a you know 33 Sports King Grange and Thorpe up, uh, both PSA eight up for sale. Uh, those are rare but you just don't see them very often both of those but then the one that i love is an autographed 33 uh sports king fourth card i've never seen an autograph and it, it's kind of interesting because i think when when did fourth die 50 i forget it, you know he, he died very young let's say 50s right, or right, early right, right. 60s i forget so, I mean, if you, if you th- stop and think about it this card came out in 33 i mean it's around it's it's definitely possible i mean you know they're not unlikely he signed some it's just i'd never stopped to think about that i've never seen an autographed sports king fork card and it's fascinating to, to think just i've never seen one and it's so incredibly rare i think that one is exceptionally rare and i, I really believe that is um that's going to really be boosted uh as time goes on today for the for that particular yeah. auction in my opinion uh the other one uh, that you had mentioned, which I think is very uh, worth noting, the Dicker rookie, 62 tops and PSA 9. Uh, again, with that black border, that's a real tough set to collect mm-hmm. one way or the other. And, uh, real tough set. 
It's at 60K yeah, yeah. and climbing, uh, which is amazing, <laughs> truly amazing. And again, yeah, I can't fathom, can't fathom these prices for these grades. I just don't. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I know I'm a dinosaur, yeah, but one. it's uh, <laughs> it just makes makes no sense to me whatsoever. Honestly, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Well, the the, the registry is uh, a hell of a drug, Captain. So, <laughs> I mean, and like you now, mentioned, most, black bordered, beautiful. It's uh, you know one of the one of the greatest you know bears to ever lace them up. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, you know, be, you know, went on to become a Hall of Fame coach. He's, uh, you know, it's uh, there's a lot more to Ditka than just tight end. You know, so pretty rare right. card. It's amazing. Uh, uh, then I then I want to shoot over quickly to memory lane. Um, as those in the hobby know, the Wagner's the holy grail of uh, collecting the baseball Wagner card. It's a PSA two. Uh, I haven't looked at that. I haven't. I really don't do much with memory lane at all. But it was interesting to see that's up for auction. And yeah. also with with that uh, same set of auction, there's a bunch of high end rookie cards, uh, including a Jimmy Brown PSA eight, a Walter Payton ten, uh, a John Elway ten, a Jimmy Rice ten, and the Landry from fifty one Bowman set in a nine, which I, I really haven't seen anything above a seven or eight. Over the years, yeah. comments on that. Thoughts on that? I love that fifty-one Bowman set. Uh, my, you know, my favorite. If you're going to ask me, my favorite Bowman set is fifty-three. But I, I just, I love the look of the fifty-one, and I love the fifty-two. I, I love all Bowman sets that have been put out. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, this fifty-one Bowman Tom Landry is very rare, and obviously, you say the name Tom Landry, and he's synonymous with you know, coaching the Cowboys. And there's another America's team. I mean, it's like we were talking about Ditka earlier and the Bears. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, this, this isn't just a rookie card from, a, you know, you know, from a, you know, from another player. This is Tom Landry from a, you know, from a, you know, 65 year old set. So pretty rare card. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a rare card. And it's a tough card to find in that condition. And uh, I, I took back to my Bowman, uh, 51 Landry rookie card. I, I graded roughly X. I mean, I picked it up years ago, and mm-hmm. uh, I always say to always say to myself, I really thought at that time, and I was kind of fussy with with that card because I always believed Landry. Uh, you know, obviously an icon in football. I always felt his rookie card was going to, you know, truly hold value over yeah. the years. Little did I yeah. know, uh, you know, what happened, you know, with the explosion and everything. But in any event, that's a that's a real nice card in that condition and I'm sure it's gonna really go at a very, very high price by the time by the time the auction is over. I just yeah. wanna I wanna comment to what you were saying about you I know you always like the Bowmans, you always said you like the Bowmans. One of the first shows I went to probably in the late nineteen seventies, a dealer had a bunch of nineteen fifty five Bowman football cards there and I really had never seen them before. I knew they existed. I never even owned one. And I ended up buying a couple of type cards, and I hate to say it, but they were in near mint condition, and I paid mm-hmm. a quarter a piece for them. And I bought four <laughs> of them for my four of them for my collection. And I said, well, I'll, you know, as time goes on, I'll collect this stuff. But I couldn't pass up at a quarter each. Some nice uh, near mint fifty-five bones. And uh, what year was this? <laughs> I want to say what, like what year seventy-seven. Was the fifty-five bones. And they were, and you bought them yeah, this type, was like, type set. I love it. 
um, 77, 78, right around that time when I started going to shows. It was, it was just truly amazing. And then let's move over to BST that ended last week. BST Auctions had the first installment of Mike Boysdale's items. I'm going to start exactly. off with that 38, 38 Overland uh, Sammy Ball candy wrapper, uh, which went for 3900 Comments on that. Very rare. I was the underbidder on that. And uh, went to bed, uh, you know, went, went to bed and woke up and somebody had out, outplayed me. So I happened to be in New York when that auction ended. Uh, I think we had, a, you know, yeah, I happened to be in New York, you know, for business when that auction ended. And, uh, you know, so I'm usually on the West Coast. I have a little bit of a, you know, advantage to you East Coasters because, you know, sure. you know, I can I can just hunker down for these Saturday night, uh, you know, auctions and watch a little SNL and, you know, stay up till 1 a.m., which is 4 a.m. your time. So I have a have a tactical advantage. But being in New York, it was kind of interesting. I went to bed around 2 in the morning and woke up the next day, and I was I was done. But, uh, that, you know, when we had Mike on the show, you know, about a month ago, he talked about how incredibly rare that Overland candy wrapper is. When a man like Mike mm-hmm. Blaisdell says this is rare, you have my attention, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was one of the ones, you know, in that auction I really wanted to, wanted to take just to have, have – have something from Mike's collection that uh, you know that he considered mm-hmm. rare. So, mm-hmm. so and that was, that was yeah. I mean, that, go ahead. I'm sorry. Suffice to say, that's one of a kind. I mean, who knows? Correct. You know, all those Overland rappers, as far as I'm concerned, uh, are beyond rare. They're one of a kind. Um, you just don't see them at all. Number one. Number two. No matter whatever price they're going to generate. To me, uh-huh. it's going to be too low for the simple reason: yeah. if it's one of a kind and you got two people wanting it, it's going to be, you know, a bidding war one way or the other on the phone. So, it's, yeah. to me, it's it, it was very interesting. And I also want to comment too on what you said: East Coast uh, collectors really have a rough time on a lot of auctions, depending on when they're going to end. And uh, I do envy you guys on the West Coast because you, you do have a lot of leeway as far as those those auctions are concerned. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of East coast collectors, they put on their, their high bids and they just hope for the best and that's all they can do. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a tough, tough auction to say the least. Um, interesting piece that was in that auction that you wrote about in the last issue of Gridiron Books <laughs> magazine, which just came out, which I got several nice comments on because I, I found a, a couple of readers were saying they, they had him, had that game when they were younger, and, and they oh, no completely forgot about it until you wrote about it again. But uh, there was a uh, yellow game that was for sale in the uh, auction, and I, I am sure you picked it up, right? Or, uh, or <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> I didn't. No, I figured I uh, I figured oh. I rang the bell on uh, my yellow my yellow oh. collecting three hundred Bob. But what I found interesting is wrote this article, sent it off. You and I talked about it on a show, and then literally, you know, BST opens up their auctions. And, it, you know, in, in our podcast, you'd said, do you think this is the only year that they did, you know, that they right. did, uh, uh, you know, this, you know, Yalo game was, you know, it was like 1925, 1926. I'm like, well, I'm sure, because after that, Grange got hurt and his popularity, you know, wasn't right. as big, you know. And then here it is, 1940, and I literally – you know, shook my fist, you know, at, uh, you know, John Spano <laughs> throwing this 1940 game in right after I hit send on an article. <laughs> that basically well, my, my theory, 
my theory on my theory on that, looking at the set online and reading about it in, in the catalog and trying to look at it a little closely, I, to me it just seems like the same set. They just re, they reprinted yeah. it or had extra that they just got out to the market at the time. And again, with, given the historical uh, context of that set, you know, it's right before World War II. They're probably saying mm-hmm. to themselves, "We got to, we just got to picture out everything we possibly can." Uh, in case we can't manufacture games over the next few years. So that's another reason why probably they went to that 1940 version, and which yeah. to me is just literally the same as the 39 version you wrote about. Uh, yeah. In that auction, too, one of my favorite sets, the 59 cons uh, set, which uh, consists of basically Browns and Sealer cards, a set that I've been working on for years, although not in any way, shape, or form, uh, in the condition Mike had his in, uh, I thought that was a beautiful set uh, in, mm-hmm. in the condition he had, and I thought it went for a very, very fair price also uh, in, in that auction. But again, that, that to me would have been a snag for anybody collecting the 59 to 64 yeah. concepts, uh, given the condition it's in. That's a, that's a tough set to put together. I don't care what anybody says. That's a real tough set to, uh, yeah. to piece together. Yeah, and Blaze, though, when he was on the show, had said that was probably one of his favorite sets. So that right. know, kind of had right. my attention. You know, again, when, when Mike says something, there's certain people in the hobby you just you respect their opinion. I mean, I, you know, I, I collect, you know, you know, star player candy because Andy Becker, you know, came to me at one point and said, these are rare, dude. And they're, you know, it's a good-looking yep. set. It's like, you know, send me some scans. I'm like, you're right, it is a good-looking set, but, you know, but uh, you, you get it right. in when somebody approaches you with something that's that rare, then you, you've never seen it. You just, you, you know, you just kind of, okay, you're right. But, exactly. And, and, and to me, anybody who collects and has a complete run of 59 to 64 concepts, uh, to me, that, that's an incredible collection of, of cards. They're very rare. I don't care what anybody says. You know, even though you can you can find them, you still really got to hunt them down, especially the 59, mm-hmm. 60, and 61s, because they're just not out there as far as I'm concerned. 63 and 64, for whatever reason, there's a lot more out there. Uh, but to me, the uh, 1959s and 60s are are two of the of the more difficult ones to to actually put together and complete. I know 60 and 61, I don't have that many. 62, 63, 64, I have a lot more at the uh, 59th set. I think I'm down to seven, but unfortunately, they're all the big names, the Brown, uh, Bobby <laughs> Lane, you know. Everybody and anybody who's who's expensive, those are the ones that I need. And then the last point on BST, uh, one of my favorite sets, one I have a couple pieces of, the Walker Cleaners, Green Bay Packer, 1932 issue. Uh, beautiful, beautiful, classic poses of Packer players from that year. Your thoughts on that? On those that sold there? All, all Hall of Famers, all rare. I mean, I first learned about this set probably about five, six years ago. Uh, Andy Becker was telling me about it. Then I got to see uh, some of them in person when I. You know, uh, you know, stayed at Andy's house, and we went to a Seahawk versus Bear football game at Soldier Field. Uh, mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I got to see it. That's you know, again, that's where my experience comes from. Is you know, you know, drinking from the fountain of knowledge from you know the the collectors who paved the way before me. 
And uh, so when one came up, probably about, you know, like about five years ago, you know, in Heritage, Andy, you know, and I decided to chop it. It was a full set, uh, you know, it was a full set, you know, loose, and we decided to chop mm-hmm. it. And then a couple years later when one came up in a full book, which was pretty rare, I, I had the opportunity to purchase it, and I did. So I love the set. I think it's beautiful. It's obviously incredibly rare, especially in the book form. Uh, it's just right. chalk with, you know, Hall of Famers that have no rookie cards. Uh, that you know they have, they have no modern rookie cards. It's uh, yeah, and uh, for as rare as as it is, I think at one point somebody said you know full or partial. There's you know there's between nine and ten sets total. Uh, right, right. You know this, this, to see some of them come up like this is pretty cool, pretty pretty rare, obviously. So right, and, right. My gut my gut feeling, and I've always said this: there's ten or less of each, and you know that actually still exists. And if you do own one one of the ten of any of the player, to me, it's a rare piece one way or the other, even for the obscure yeah, players have, that are, that were from, uh, 32. So it's, do you uh, have any of these? It was amazing, I mean, amazing to see him at the same time. Great, great. Do you, do you own any of these? I mean, Packers are your team, your, your team, baby. Oh yeah. I know. I know. I, I, I have the, uh, Melinda, uh, uh, one, in uh, perfect condition with the uh, tab over. I actually have it prominently displayed in my man cave, my collecting room. Nice. So it's it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful piece that I that that uh, that issue is, and it's so and to me again so rare. It's amazing from a team that so many people like. But at this time, our guest has arrived, and I'd like to introduce him. Our guest tonight is a longtime and avid collector of Boston Patriot programs, who has an incredible collection of early Patriots programs from their inception to the American Football League in 1960. I'd like to welcome to our show from the great state of Minnesota, but currently talking to us from Boston, Massachusetts, Mr. Michael Steele. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank, thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Uh, you are correct. I am. I am in Boston right now, just just having the time of my life. So, um, watching the Cubs and Red Sox this weekend. So, uh, back to Minnesota you're, tomorrow. <laughs> you're saying you're seeing some good baseball too, from what I hear. Uh, even though last night's game didn't go as planned, but uh, it didn't go as planned. But, but I, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually. I know we're here to talk. I know we're here to talk about football, but I'm actually um, satisfying a bucket list for an uncle of mine that lives in Chicago that had never seen Fenway Park, and um, oh wow! So oh, okay. we went to both went to both Friday night and Saturday's games. So each team got a win, and uh, we had great seats. Um, you know, it's just the weather was incredible, and uh, uh, I was happy to satisfy his bucket list. Of, uh, he's 81, 81 years old. Eighty-one years old and a wow. diehard Cub fan. So, wow. so. good for you, Michael. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's great. I'm just hoping when I'm eighty-one, Joe will take me to a Packers uh, Seattle game somewhere, and either in Green Bay <laughs> or Seattle, and I can I can uh, satisfy my bucket list and then throw in Largent sitting in the same booth with us. And, uh, we'll <laughs> right. <start>. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like my bucket list. I think I beat you to it, Joe, this time. I beat you to it. So. All right, I, let's yeah. start off. Michael, please tell our listeners how you got started in collecting Boston Patriot programs. 
Well, uh, it's been a lifelong passion, the Boston slash New England Patriots for me. I, I, I've been a fan my whole life uh, and a collector, of course, and, and I've always loved collecting programs. Every game I've ever gone to as a kid, I collected the program. I still have all of them. Um, you know, back in my early days of collecting, after I was an adult in the 80s and 90s, I collected Red Sox and Bruins programs, the hockey team. So I, my goal was to get one program from every home program from every year of those two teams. And I satisfied that goal. And I had some Patriot programs, maybe, this maybe 15, 20 years ago. And like I said, I've always loved the Patriots. And I saw, I started looking at some of their early 60s programs and, and the Phil Bissell artwork. Uh, Phil Bissell is, is, uh, is, is an artist that actually designed the Pat Patriot logo the original actually it's the second team logo but back in they they had an original logo in 1960 that lasted like two months and then <laughs> the Pat patriot logo came came in and and phil phil bissell was the man that uh that uh um that designed that and so from 1960 to 1966 or so um most of the home programs for the patriots were were, were his his artwork and it's just incredible the artwork that he did um usually it's uh, whoever the opponent was playing the patriots it was the patriots uh, the patriots in some form of pat patriot logo beating up on the other on the other team in some way shape or form <laughs> in a cartoon <laughs> style and and it's and it's there's just there's just some amazing uh programs from 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 those years and and what i did um about 15 years ago, uh, I won a lot, a uh, small lot, and and I decided. Well, I'm and I saw some of those programs and I, I loved them. Did some more research and I decided that I was going to uh, try and try and at least get one from every year. And I did cool. that, and I, I I started looking at all the programs uh, covers from 60 to 64, and the 65 and 66. They started. There was some Phil Bissell artwork, and then there was some generic artwork where you had actual pictures of players on the program. And uh, so it was. They were kind of weaning off of him a little bit. So 60 to 64, every program is just um, is just amazing Phil Bissell artwork. So mm -hmm. um, I decided I needed to, I, I needed to get every program that was produced uh, one you know a copy for wow. each home game from 60 through. Through really through '64, and then whatever where, wherever he had his artwork, um, you know. So basically, it's '60 through '66, and uh, and I'm almost there. Not quite there, but uh, there's some there's some toughies. But uh, I um, it's been it's been uh, very satisfying and rewarding. I just I look at the collection all the time. Yeah, you know, I'm always envious. Uh, sorry, go ahead, I Bob. agree with you that his uh, his artwork is a spectacular and again I, I've handled many of those programs over the years buying selling and trading them uh, over the years and you know you get a any real collector of artwork of, of football programs has to appreciate what he did with those with those covers number one and if you're a Patriots fan that's even a bigger bonus because you can enjoy you can even enjoy the program more uh, as a Patriots fan on top of it. And the other comment I was yeah. going to make, I believe beginning in 67, they went to that AFL pictorial program, yes. which was more yeah. the action scene, and it was more of a generic um, couple articles along with the local inserts for the AFL after the merge. 
So a lot of those right. uh, early programs were even more special than the, the later 60 programs at the same mm-hmm. time. So right. I, I, I thoroughly agree with you. They are beautiful programs to look at and, and wonderful to yeah. read. And, and you know, just they're, they're classic, classic football programs. I've, yeah. always, I've always been envious of uh, teams, you know, his, with history. I mean, like, you know, you know, you know, Bob's a you know Packers fan. Packers are steeped in history, you know, in the NFL. I'm a Seahawks fan. Absolutely, I mean, my my history goes back to '76. <laughs> but but uh, yeah. I, yeah. I collected. Uh, I have a collection of every program from the Seahawks uh, first year, and then I have uh, oh, several nice. tickets. And one of my favorite tickets in my collection is uh, the first win of the Seahawks franchise, which obviously was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the, you know, our two expansion teams that year. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay went winless that year, and we had one win right, against them. So. Yeah. I didn't know you know, I, that just the one win in 70, in 76, one win. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, well, wow. I, I, we always like to whittle it down. I mean, uh, you know, the, the classic question, what are the top five items in your collection? I mean, uh, it, it, it's it's always a it's always one of my favorite questions, just because uh, it makes people think about you know, what they have. So. Yeah, yeah your... uh, my my top item is is the the Patriots were fortunate enough to play in the very first AFL game, regular season game, um, September ninth, nineteen sixty, against the Denver Broncos at at BU <laughs> Field. Um, and I can I can get into a whole a conversation about all the different fields the Patriots played in their first 10 years of their existence. So, uh, and my dad, my dad uh, passed away last year. He, he, he saw him everywhere, everywhere from 1960 through 1970 before they moved to Schaefer stadium. But that first program is, uh, is special. It's not, it's not as a, as difficult as some of the other programs from that first year, but it's the first day of all program that makes it a little more expensive actually a lot more expensive, but um, just, just to have that uh, um, when you combine, uh, you know, how the, the, the rare, the combine how rare it is to begin with, with the, the fact that it's the first AFL game uh, yeah. that was ever played. Um, that's, uh, that was definitely, um, I guess that's the, that's, that's my uh, uh, favorite, my best program. Um, and, and there's a couple that I don't have from 1960 that are tough to, tough to find i'm still looking for uh november 4th 1960 against the oakland raiders and that was the first home win for the for the franchise for the boston patriots so i love i love that you have that date memorized <laughs> I do. don't get me you know i can i can rattle off the the record of the patriots from really starting starting in my youth um and i was born in 1960 so um you know i wasn't i didn't get to see the first four or five years uh, or six years of the of the franchise, but you know, starting in like sixty seven, sixty eight, I can rattle off their their records, no problem at all. <laughs> I was, wow. uh, you know, there's 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 um, uh, and uh, and that has a lot to do with my dad. I mean, he he would take me to games uh, probably as early as sixty five, sixty six. So I've seen him in wow. Fenway Park and and Harvard Stadium, and and then on to Schaefer Foxborough Stadium. So. Um, yeah, it's been a life, life, lifelong passion. And, and there's a, not to get too off track, but there's, there's, uh, you know, every Christmas and I have three siblings, uh, and I'm the oldest every Christmas, we take a photo after we open our presents and this is Christmas day, 1968. And I'm eight years old 
And uh, one of the presents I got was a Patriots helmet. Um, my favorite present by far. <laughs> we took a picture wow. afterwards, and I still we took a Polaroid afterwards, and I still have that picture of me holding wow. the, uh, the Patriots, the Patriots helmet in my lap, and I have the biggest grin. I mean, I'm just <laughs> yeah, incredible. You're gonna laugh. Incredibly happy. When I was ten, uh, nine or ten, I forget, I got a, a Seahawks helmet. Uh, just uh, you know, the old logo, and just you know, single right. single chin strap, you know, uh, you know, you know, two bar, you know, uh, face mask. I still have that helmet, uh, incredibly enough. And my son wears it. We'll go out and play catch now lately, and he, he <laughs> nice. Wears, and we talk about we talk about tradition. <laughs> I also want to add, uh, I, I Googled it while we were talking. The Seahawks had two wins that first season. Sorry, my mistake. Okay. We, we okay. probably beat the Buccaneers twice. Probably. Probably. John, <laughs> uh, John McKay, yeah. That's 0-14. That's, uh, well, it's since been matched by the Lions, so. Or, <laughs> yeah. Worse. <laughs> so. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, for it, it, it's just uh, ingrained in my family, um, uh, Patriots history, I suppose, and and uh, it stays with me to this day. And I've never had, I've never switched. You know, people always. Uh, I've moved several times. I moved out of the Boston area when I was 16, and uh, our family moved. We moved uh, to Kansas City, which is where a lot of my immediate family is. My brothers, brother and sisters, are still in Kansas City. And my mom. And uh, we, um, uh, I've since moved a few times with my job, and uh, uh, I, I haven't switched allegiances. I, I, I get quizzed on it all the time. You know, you live yeah, in Minnesota yeah. now. I lived in Denver for a while. Are you a Bronco fan? <laughs> Kansas City, yeah, or are you a Chiefs yeah. fan? You know, so no, I mean, I, I've stuck by my uh, by allegiances all these years. Good for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's important. And, and, and again, I throw I throw out my story back in '76, '77. My mom used to make us a couple sandwiches and a couple cans of soda. And my buddy and I used to drive up to Schaefer Stadium, buy tickets the day of the game, uh, and and just sit around the stadium there. And then if the game was a complete blowout, we'd try to leave at the third quarter because you know how it is trying to get out of Schaefer Stadium there. You know, the one road in, the one road out. <laughs> Especially the, or, the early 70s, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and if uh, if the game was okay and it was getting close, we said, all right, let's just, let's just stay, and then we'll stay even longer until they kick us out. And then by that time, the traffic will, will you know, will be out more, and then we'll, we'll head home that way. Because it was about a two-and-a-half-hour drive from where we lived in Connecticut here. Um, in Connecticut, okay. Right. Yeah. right. And uh, great, great memories. Of my buddy and I are going up there on, on games, and, and I remember he used to work for a little sporting goods store in Brantford, Connecticut. We were from North Brantford, Connecticut, and uh, he would always get preseason game tickets for nothing, which to, to us were, you know, they're, they're, those tickets were gold. You know, how many chances right. did you get to, to go to a game for free? So we used to get excited about those games because it was a night game, so we'd get home real late type of thing, and uh, it was just, it was a fun experience. Now. You know, you can't even give away preseason game tickets because nobody wants to go see them. But back then, you know, it was a whole fun event to see. And uh, I do still have my preseason programs from all the Patriot games that I attended over the years. So uh, that was pretty cool. There you go. And there there was more preseason games back then. They had six, right? 
than yeah, a four. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> oh, really? Exactly. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, yeah. What, what was the most difficult program you, you collected for your collection, if any? Do you have one in particular? Yeah. Um, I would say, I, you know, this is this is this is probably an interesting answer for you, but but one of the games that uh, I went to when I was a kid that that I remember so vividly. Um, it's not an expensive program, but boy, it was hard for me to track down. I had to have the program. It was in 1972, so I'm 12 okay. years old. Uh, I can tell you the day of the game. I mean, this my dad took me to the game at Schaefer Stadium. They played the Washington Redskins, October 1st, 1972, and uh, wow. wow. I had a tough time tracking down that. I finally found it on eBay. I don't know. It took me a couple years because, you know, it's a regular season game. It was game, it was game number three for the Patriots. They finished 3-11 and in 72. But at that, point, at that point, they were 1-1. One and one. So it was game number three. The Redskins were tough. The, Red, the Redskins were tough that year. They had the yellow helmets with the – and they went to the Super Bowl that year and lost to the Dolphins, the 14-0 and Dolphins. And so they were good. They had they had Billy Kilmer and and Jefferson, Roy Jefferson and and that game uh, is still the best football game I have ever been to in my life. You can Google it and look up the score. The Patriots won twenty four to twenty three. And yeah, I could I know the details of the end of the game. I was on pins and needles. Uh, we had great seats, you know, <laughs> better seats than Bob Kraft probably. Bob Kraft always talks about how he how he was up, you know towards the top on the 50 yard line. We were like 15 rows off the field on the, on the 25 yard line. I don't know how my dad got those tickets, but, uh, and it was a gorgeous day. And, uh, and the Patriots won 24 to 23. Long story short, uh, actually Washington tied the game with a, with a, with a field goal. There was a penalty. They took points off the board. You know, they made it 24, 24, took points off the board, stopped the Patriots. The Patriots punted, but they blocked it. The ball's rolling around in the end zone. Five Redskins had a chance to, you know, fall on it for a touchdown. It scored it out of the back of the end zone for a safety. So we still had the lead at 24 to 23. Then you have wow. to punt back to back back to the Redskins, and and they tried another field goal with like two seconds left from like 50 yards out and missed it. I think that was Mosley. So, yeah, that that game is is wow. still, in, as wow. you can tell, is still ingrained in my mind. So the program from that game proved to be the more I didn't get a program that day for whatever reason. So. I don't know why I didn't get a program, but I, so I hunted it down. Wow! Wow! That that's that's a great story for that. I mean, wow! That, 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 that's amazing. That's truly that amazing. is why we collect. You know, Michael, that, you that's just put a bow on why we collect. <laughs> that's why we collect. The, 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 two 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 years earlier, I I had a much easier time tracking down this game, but in 1970 they played the Chargers, and I didn't get a program that day too at Harvard Stadium and. Uh, uh, they lost that game, and uh, uh, that one was that one uh, was a little bit easier for me to collect. Uh, that was that was those were the two programs I had to have that I knew I went to the games that I that I failed to get a program. So, but yeah, you're did, you're right. Did you you're get exactly programs? Right. So you so what you, what you just said. So it sounds like you have programs in your collection that you actually got on on the game. You know, by yes. ending the game. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, me and my dad went to the opening day, 1973, when O.J. Simpson ran wild on the Patriots. 212. It was a record at the time. 
Um, yeah. You have the program from that game. <laughs> that was that was an interesting game. That was uh, not a good Patriots team that year. And, uh, so were you a collector yeah, back so, then? So it seems like you went to a game, you grabbed a program, you kept it, kept, you kept it, and you I took it home it. and put it in a box. Exactly. Even back then, yep. collector. What yep. about ticket stubs? Yep. You save ticket stubs from games? Yes, I, I save ticket stubs from games. Now, I, I don't actually go out and try and, as far as the Patriots are concerned, I don't try and go out and, you know, that might be my next project after I finish all the mm-hmm. programs is, is to is to go out because I do love ticket stubs. And uh, um, uh, I've got an extensive Red Sox ticket collection. And so I, I with the Patriots, I have all the games that I went to, uh, the ticket stubs to this day. So a wow. uh, couple from Fenway, a couple from Fenway Park in the in the '66, '67, and be, and then '68 uh, they were at Boston College. '69 they were uh, at Harvard Stadium before they finally got their own their own stadium. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, 19, 1971, '71 when when Foxborough opened. So and I still have all those ex- all those. It's my experience that those ticket stubs, especially. Uh, from 60 to 69, for whatever reason, for the Patriots, are very tough to find. So you get a nice collection formed from the original games. But I know several people who collected those over the years, and they always said they had a real tough time, especially the you know 60 to 64 uh, home games for the Patriots were very, very difficult to find. You know, obviously a lot of yeah. people didn't, you know what I mean, uh, which is common, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which is going to – go ahead. Oh, uh, nothing. I was just going to move on to the next question, but stories are way better yep. than questions. So go, go, for it. <laughs> go right ahead. Go right ahead, Bob. No, no I was going to say, I, it, it, I mean, there's always fun stories. I mean, collection, you know, collections don't always go perfect. I mean, uh, do you have any stories meeting, meeting, you know, you know, uh, meeting sellers in the parking lot of a Walmart at midnight, you know, handing them an envelope with cash to get a, a rare program. <laughs> any any weird stories? <laughs> Nothing quite that weird, but I do have a very I do have a very recent story that just happened to me in the last month. Um, I'll try and be brief, but it, but it, but it's it, it's it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting story. I I, I got an email from. Uh, Josh Wolken, who um, may know as the VP at uh, Huggins and Scott mm-hmm. Auction House, mm-hmm. and and I'm not real friends with with Josh, but I buy from their from their auction occasionally, and and he had looked me up, and he said that that um, somebody from the New England Patriots was looking to find who won one of their lots in 2010. It was a Patriots program lot, a bunch of the early Phil Bissell programs, and that was me. <laughs> And these programs, this lot was really nice. The programs were were in superb condition. Uh, There's about a dozen in the lot. So I'm looking at this email going, somebody from the Patriots? Uh, and it, so Josh hooked me up with, with um, as it turns out, the uh, director of uh, fan awareness, brand awareness and mm-hmm. fan experience, senior director of mm-hmm. a, a, a very nice lady with the Patriots. And we started going back and forth, and she she wanted to borrow the programs uh, from that lot. And right. I still had most of them. There was there was some duplication in the lot, but I still had about ten of those programs. I wound up sending about a dozen to her. And what they did with them was they 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 uh, took high resolution scans to make artwork to hang in the offices at Gillette Stadium. This just happened two weeks ago. So right. so um, uh, that was that was a great experience. I you know I, I made sure to tell. Um, 
tell the lady that I was dealing with that I was a lifelong Patriots fan. Um, and they took care of me. I didn't ask for anything, but they they took care of me very nicely. And, uh, um, you know, it, it was a great experience dealing with the Patriots, just just out of the blue, just completely out of the blue. And and um, I said, you got the – you found the right guy. So <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> lifelong Patriots fan. I had better see Robert well, yeah. Kraft. <laughs> the one thing – the one thing I got to say, and I've heard this story, uh, you know, I've heard some other stories over the years. The Patriots, especially when Bob Kraft took them over, really appreciate their fans, and they very much appreciate the actual history of the Patriots. And I think that's real important. There's other teams that could give two hoots about their history, and the Patriots mm-hmm. are not one of them. Patriots yeah. truly, truly care about the history of, the, of their team and, you know, historical items such as the program, the ticket stub. Yeah. Tenants, uh, so on and so forth. So I, I'm real happy when I when I heard that story, um, Michael, yeah. when you when, uh, when he had mentioned it before, and I, I said to myself, right. that's what it should be. You know, that's really what the NFL should yeah. be about. You have a yeah. team. You know, I don't care if you were 1921, 1976, 1989, whatever year you started, you have a history, and you have to you have to respect that history. And, uh, you know, some teams just, just don't bother with it. I, I'm very, very surprised about that. But the Patriots... Yeah, that's the same. That's looking yeah, really at it always, Looking at the outside, yeah, it's always seemed that, you know, the, the Patsies have a, have a great culture. Uh, you know, I mean, and I, I take that by looking at players like Randy Moss, who are loudmouths and showboaters at other teams who come to the Patsies, and suddenly, you know, they toe the line, they... You know, suddenly they get on board with that culture, and uh, yeah. you know, you've got stupid stuff to Flategate, you know, which you know, you know, people think that tarnishes it. And I, I don't, you know, in all honesty, I don't, you know. But I'm glad, I mean, I'm I glad just, to hear I, you I've say always, that show. <laughs> yeah, I've always been a, a closeted yeah. fan of the Patriots, ex- except Malcolm Butler. I'm not a fan of him. Uh, uh, you know, he's he's yeah, we all know why I don't like him. I have a quick I have a quick story. Just yesterday, um, another Malcolm, um, Malcolm Mitchell. He had a good rookie season. His fourth round pick out of Georgia. Uh, mm-hmm. Caught a few balls on the in the Super Bowl. Actually, caught a couple passes at the end of uh, uh, on the last drive that tied it in that Super Bowl, Super Bowl Fifty One. He was signing autographs yesterday, and I, I was actually at the show to get Johnny Busick's autograph, an old Bruin great. Uh, this was the show in Wilmington this, that's happening this weekend. Uh, so I'm at the show, and, and my sister is just a huge – she's a huge Patriot fan, too. My little sister, and she lives in Kansas City, loves Tom Brady. Um, just – I could – I, you know, I love she's, Tom she's, Brady. She's, she's, yeah. <laughs> so she's crazy <laughs> about the Patriots. And, and, uh, and, and her, her – I, I, I call her a bandwagon collector cause, of our fan because she jumped on when Brady came in. But that's okay. That's all right. But anyways, Malcolm Mitchell is there, and she's like, can you get his autograph, please? She's begging me, and I'm like, okay, all right, no problem. I walk up to Malcolm. I've got her on the phone. I've got Karen on the phone, my sister. And and I go, I go, Malcolm, this is this is this is really for my sister. I'm you know I'm a big fan too, but this is for my sister. He's like, what's your sister's name? I'm like Karen. And he's like, is, she, is that her on the phone? Put her on speaker. <laughs> I, oh wow. It was, so I put her on speaker, and they had like a two minute conversation. <laughs> That's the oh, autograph, wow. <laughs> and it made my sister's day. She was since she's Malcolm was one of her favorite players, and now it's probably besides Brady her favorite player. So that was, and wow. he was he was he took 
he was very cordial, great, great kid. He was, he was, uh, I couldn't believe he did that with my sister. I mean, they, they had a great conversation for a couple minutes. Good for so. him. Wow. Yeah. Good for him. That's yeah. very classy. That's yeah. very, you know, yeah. that's, that's what the athlete's about. When you, you have, you have the, 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 um, the players who, who truly respond to their fans and appreciate them. That's what it's all about. And, uh, that's, that's real important. Michael, any final thoughts on your collection? Well, I'd like to. Uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep collecting until, until uh, you know, I'll find something else. <laughs> the Patriot. I wish the Patriots' history went back further. It goes back to 1960. So there's only mm-hmm. so much you can collect. You know, I'm a big Red Sox collector. They go back to 1901. A big Bruins collector. They go back to right. 1924. The Patriots are 1960. Right. So, um, you know, at some point, I probably will get all the programs. Uh, I'll find something else to collect. But um, tickets, like you said. Uh, even panics, uh, yeah. So it's it's a lifelong passion that that's not going to stop anytime soon. Well, I always, stay I away from collecting Steve Largent stuff. It's pretty thin. It, exactly. I've got some. I've got some Largent rookies, Joe. <laughs> I do, I do have one. some Largent some, rookies. Yeah. yeah. There's there's some that surfaced in the Midwest now, so we have confirmed there are other Largent rookies <laughs> in the country. You know, I think I, I got three say, or four. So. <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say over over the years, I I run into quite a few collectors, and I'm going back uh, in the '80s when I used to do shows more actively than I do now in the early '90s. That there were a lot of guys collecting uh, a complete run of AFL football programs and ticket stubs from the Bills, from the Jets, uh, from the Patriots, and they always said it was doable with a lot of work type of situation and it was true back then you know you could find you could find the programs that, you know you really have to work at it to find them and i know and i'm sure there are people out there who elected a complete run of let's say new york jet programs and ticket stubs same with you mm-hmm. ticket stubs right. and, and programs I, and i just think it, it's the coolest thing because it's it's it is the history of the team and you're you're reading the history of the team uh you're seeing the history of the team and it's just it, it, you can't make collecting any more pure than that as far as I'm concerned. And that to me is yeah. one of the nicest things about our, our habit. I mean just it's just amazing. Just amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm in I'm in complete agreement. And I'm and I'm Love just that happy story. that uh yeah thank thank you. And it's Love amazing that story. it's been amazing. Patriots reaching out to you. Yeah. That's Michael that's, that's, uh, that's a great story. Yeah. You have a great collection? And I thoroughly and uh, truly appreciate you being on the show today, talking about it. And uh, you going to the game tonight again, or are you flying out? <laughs> yes, I am. My uncle, my I, my okay. uncle's back, heading back to Chicago now. But I'm 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 heading back tomorrow, and uh, oh, okay. I'm actually right. going to okay. go. I'm actually going to go to the game tonight with my my uncle here in Boston, who's a lifetime oh, Red Sox cool. fan. So, yeah. So um, hitting great. all hitting all three games this weekend. Good, good. You, you have a um, that's a great series to watch and Fenway Park. Yep. Beautiful park for baseball. Still classic. Uh, still historical. Um, couldn't ask for anything more. Thank you for being on the say, show, Michael. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Take guys. Care. Talk soon. All right. Bye bye. See you, Michael. Okay. Thank you. Michael Steele, yeah. I guess, and his Boston Patriots uh, program collection. Truly amazing. Truly, uh, 
truly an amazing collection, in my opinion. And then again, I go back to what I just said. It's so nice to hear collectors, especially AFL collectors who co- have collected uh, from 1960 on, even though they, you know, they didn't see the team, you know, during the AFL or they were born during that time frame, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just just an amazing collection. And again, that's not taking anything away from your collection from 1976, which again, that's only 16 years later. Uh, who mm-hmm. knew the NFL was going to expand other than those who were following football in the 1970s, we had a pretty good idea with the WFL coming on the scene and being yeah. the the unfortunate big mess that it was. It still provided football-hungry um, fans and collectors something to go after, something to watch. You know, I, I listened to and I watched as many WFL games as I could back in the 70s, and I never could imagine back then that it would actually lead to actual expansion for two teams other than two teams that really didn't play in the WFL on top of it, which I thought was pretty interesting. I always thought Birmingham, Alabama was going to be the the next expansion team because they they really liked their team. They were really after their team and Charlotte at the same time, but it ended up being Tampa and Seattle. So truly, truly interesting to, to look at it in that, in that perspective. So, well, I, I love hearing his side because I mean, you know, you you tend to be you tend to be a fan of who you are geographically, and you know when you know when my dad, you know, we lived at we live in you know lived in southern Washington, Vancouver, you know, growing up. But I mean, you know, my dad when I turned eight took me to a Seahawks game, and then every year, mm-hmm. you know, in December, my dad would take me to a game, and it just became a tradition. And uh, I mean, that's how I was introduced to the Seahawks, and and you know, and you talk to you know you hear Michael's story, same thing. I mean, and here we are, and his passion for collecting is, you know, his, you know, him and his dad going to games and enjoying them. I mean, I, I, I don't have any dates or scores memorized from any Seahawks game I went to, uh, you know, so obviously, you know, that that's his passion. I, I loved hearing the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my passion always has been Yale football because that was the first game I ever went to, and I, uh, I can never erase that memory out of my mind, even though Yale football is the shell of what it used to be. It's still, um, you know, there's still nothing like for me going to the Yale Bowl, although it's, you know, a completely different experience 50-plus years later. But at the same time, I still have those memories when I walk into that bowl of my father and I walking in there the first time back in yeah. 1966. So, you know, it's just it's, it's something you can't erase. It's something you can't, you can't, you can't change. And to me, it's the beauty of being a fan in a lot of cases and the beauty of collecting at the same time. And uh, I also like yeah. what Michael said about he, he collected one game. Uh, I mean, he always bought a program at every game that he went to, with the yeah. exception of that one yeah. in, in 72. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, that, that's really neat. That's cool. Uh, that takes a lot of foresight to be a kid, you know, a 12-year-old kid saying, I'm saving this program. You know, that, that's, right. right. Yeah. I don't think I was that mature when I was 12. So. Exactly. So. And a lot of, you know, it's, Today, because the the programs are, are dramatically different than they were years ago, uh, a lot of people don't save them anymore. Even though any game I go to, I still buy a program, no matter if it's you know a Packer or Yale or whatever game I'm going to. At the same time, all right, we're in our goal line stance. We're down to uh, well, we're, we're moving. We're down to four minutes here, Joe. Quickly, what did we learn on today's show? Well, I, I also wanted to give a shout out, uh, if I may digress, Captain. 
uh, you know, number 56, the recent Gridiron Grants, had two amazing articles in it that I, I was really impressed with. Martin Jacobs uh, had a good summary on Jimmy Johnson. And uh, there's a lot of these old players you don't know a lot about. So I always appreciate it when somebody, you know, puts a magnifying glass on a player. A really good article about Jimmy Johnson. I had no idea he was that good. And it was just, it was a good read. Uh-huh. And then Kerry uh, uh-huh. Lavin's, uh, you know, story, you know, later on in the in the magazine about about the you know the Heisman ballot on you know Rashawn Salam was uh-huh. incredible. It was just incredible. First of all, I had no idea that Kerry was that involved with the Heisman process. Right. Uh, right. Right. It's it's funny. I started working on an article about a year ago for Gridiron, and the title of it is the the insignificance of the Heisman Trophy, and uh, <laughs> you know, and it wow. was basically you know just taking you know the last. 20 people won the Heisman Trophy and saying, you know, showing what they've done in the NFL, which isn't much lately, and then comparing it to the old timers, you know, who won, you know, you take like an Earl Campbell or, you know, Barry Sanders who won Heismans. And, you know, it's just been a long time since the Heisman Trophy winner has gone on to do something, you know, meaningful in the NFL. Uh, But anyway, that's a side topic. But really, really impressive uh, article by Kerry that just – that just showed the human factor behind, you know, uh, you know, Salam, and his and his passing recently. Just, uh, I just thought that was an incredible article. I uh, just wanted to mention it. Great, great, the, uh, great magazine uh, that quarter. I, I think what what Kerry does with it is, is in giving that human approach to the Heisman, and at the same time, you can't deny what you're saying that a lot of these guys do nothing. And when they get into the NFL, it's like it's all over. Their career ends with that Heisman Trophy, and that's it. And yeah. they can't take it to the next level. And I think, again, it's it's yeah. it's symbolic of our times in football, you know, the, the rent-a-player, the player who tries to make a, a fortune in three years type of thing. You know, I yawn at the NFL draft now because, to me, it's so, you know, utterly ridiculous watching. It's, it's not even funny. I mean, what, two, three guys actually make it for a career? Out of all these guys who are drafted, I mean, it's just yeah. doesn't make sense after all, you know. Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's disappointing to say the least. All right, we're in our two minute uh, warning, two minute stance. Joe, what other thoughts do we have? I love. I, I, I always just love hearing. I mentioned earlier when we were talking to Michael. That is why we collect, because I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, hearing him talk mm-hmm. about walking out into a stadium with his dad. And, you know, just sharing that and, you know, the greatest game he's ever seen, you know, with the Redskins and, you know, safety and, you know, et cetera. It's just, and I just, you know, that, that put a bow on why we collect. That put a bow on why we're here on this show talking about, you know, you know collectibles and football. Uh, great guest, Captain, uh, you know, as always. It's, it's, it's a great, great, great to hear all these collectors share their stories. And to me, it's just the pureness yeah. and the history of collecting and the pureness and the history of football. And again, that's what we try to do here. All right, we're down to a minute, a couple of wrap-ups again. I'd like to send out um, healing prayers and thoughts to Tex Noel. I hope he feels better. I know um, he's got a long climb ahead. Kind of kind of shook me when I heard that. I, I, I feel bad. I've known Tex for quite a few years now, and uh, I feel bad for him. I hope he gets better. Better. So, again, we're Gridiron Greats. The podcast has been brought to you by MSP Sports Cards, MSPSportsCards.com, and BSD Auctions, BSDAuctions.com. Joe will be back in May. Have a good day, a good good uh, couple of weeks before we get back. 
And I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. Number seven, Gridiron Greats Magazine. Again, check out our website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com. Thanks for listening. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.